your career outcomes are not defined by edu- or by the name of your school. I think a lot of people inherently know this. And I also think going back to that New York Times story from I think last month or or a couple months ago, like I think parents and families and students are also becoming more attuned to this. I mean, there's a lot of data out there and stories out there that are are telling us that students are either opting not to go to college, which I do admit is a risky bet, but one that I certainly understand given the cost of college and just not not caring less about prestige of the school, which I think really is a good thing. Back to the Broken Copier, a conversation about teaching. On today's pod, Marcus and I are talking about college. There's all kinds of stuff in the ether right now about college. Um, I'm going to leave it at that. Marcus, how are you? <laughs> it's it, college is on the mind along with many other things. Uh, officially yeah. six weeks into the year now on my end. I think last yeah. time we spoke, I was just about to start you were into it. So it's been a little bit and it's good to connect. Uh, And I feel like six weeks, I don't know about you. I really divide the year into six week segments, not just from like unit planning, but I think even reflectively, I feel like six weeks is when you really have a pulse of what the year is going to be like. I feel like pretty accurately you understand what's ahead. So uh, I feel like I've, I I have a grasp on what this year is, at least for now. Uh, But Mm -hmm. I'm kind of, Curious, because last time we talked, you were saying that it was a really good start. I think you used the word hope to describe how yeah. students were doing. So just how are you doing? How's your class going? Uh, what's the year been like for you? Yeah, it's been um, it's been positive. I feel like my hopefulness has been proven uh, to be accurate. I, I, I My reasons for hope have been have been sort of validated, I think. Culture in the classroom is going well. Um, I'm we're at the point now, you know, we're we're past the honeymoon, so like the students are the you know there's a little bit of pushback, a little bit of resistance to not you know not doing your work on time, uh, starting to do some of that parent communication. But I think overall, I mean, I think so far that like one of the big wins so like for me is a very it's just a clearer and more accurate understanding of like how, especially for AP Lang, like this is how it works. This is what we need to see. This is the pace we need to move at. And the big win is the students seem to be grasping that a lot better. Like I've upped the ante a little bit with some of my routine writing stuff and they've really responded early in the year. I don't know. So, so I mean, that's not really, that's all a little bit besides the point, but it's going well is 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 my takeaway how about you uh pretty pretty dang good uh quite yeah. often especially <laughs> I, it's, it's nice lie. to have it's nice to start like this right it's good it's we've paid it, it our is. dues we deserve <laughs> to say this in the start of the school year it might not be true for everybody but you know we've earned yes yeah. <laughs> well you kind of got me nervous when we talked last time because you set a pretty high bar 
And I went in with pretty high expectations, but I'll I'll tell you, and I think this echoes what you were saying. The kids showed up really well. Like they put their best foot forward, walking into the room and all my classes, because half my classes are just normal English 10, all levels, everyone walks in. Uh, And those are classes where you, you, can have more of a little bit of a roller coaster and right. I've just been so like I, I love when they walk in it's been such a cool classroom culture and it, like I feel like when they show up with their best foot forward it's been I've been just as determined to say okay I want to meet you there and we want to build on that and make the honeymoon permanent and mm-hmm. it really so far has been that type of experience including from like like the learning too it's not just like a oh we had great icebreakers day one it's genuinely been a really cool culture and a lot of like individual wins, like just to like brag on one, uh, we were doing our first assessment, uh, a constructed response that we had gone through our full sequence with. And the student who's, you know, know, athlete, very confident, uh, comes up to me after class. It's the last period of the day. And this is a 10th grader. And they come up and they say, Mr. Luther, I'm, I'm kind of scared. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like I'd watch them push through, like they, they got support, et cetera. And, you know, turn in their stuff and you know, everyone's like leaving, walking out and the student kind of waits till the room clears out. And they say, I don't really try and I'm trying and it's kind of scary. Mm-hmm. And I just look at them and I'm like, my first response is like, I explicitly say this. I'm like, thank you for being willing to share that. Cause I think it's important for teachers to rem- remember that trying is scary for yeah. lots of students and like and like the, the openness to share that. And then the student, and they end up getting uh, above proficient, a 3.5 out of four on this attempt. And I remember I make eye contact with them, big school, down the hallway, like the, later in the week. And I know that mm-hmm. I had submitted the score and feedback online and the student yells from down the hallway, Luther, and just yeah. like points at me. And I just like give a thumbs up because I know exactly you know they're talking why about. they're yelling. Yeah. I know, yeah. I don't even have to say anything. It's like, yeah. we know. And it's just like, like for that to happen in September, I know, man, <laughs> and it's not great. May. It's really like, usually great. that's like a, okay. This is gonna take six, seven, eight months to yeah. get there, and it will for some, and there will be some backslides. But like, man, I was just like, there have been a lot of those type of moments, and uh, I just that's really. Great. So that's on the positive side. The other thing, though, I will acknowledge is just like there's been a lot going on, and just it's been a year where you're aware of what's going on outside the classroom walls, uh, in mm-hmm. the school, the community, like, shoot, like the world right now. Like it's a lot, yeah. and it makes the classroom feel small, even when it's good. And I'm just acknowledging that. And you know, we're not we're here to talk about our classrooms, talk about teaching, but like I think just teachers are people and people carry things. And I just like, I've been very cognizant of that in the same way that students carry things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even when it's good, I'm still trying to be really mindful of that about for myself, but also of course for students, other teachers, anyone listening. Uh, I just like, we're thinking of you and sending positive thoughts and just everything right now. So yeah, that's my like big encapsulation of the moment. That's great. <laughs> I, I'm really happy. I mean, those things, yeah, those things matter a lot. And I think I, you know, I'm being a little jokey and sarcastic, but it's, it's not easy to, to have a really good start to the year. And um, I'm sure some folks listening probably are struggling right now. And, you know, the point, the point of the podcast is to talk some of these things through. And I wouldn't want people to think like, oh, the, We've been doing this a while, which is one of the reasons we feel okay, like having this podcast in the first place. But 
I, I appreciate that story, Marcus, and and congratulate you for real. Um, I'm gonna pivot us to college. This is our this is our topic. There's a bunch of different reasons. Marcus and I have been talking about college for a while, um, just to sort of recap some of the things that are on the list right now of why. I mean, number one, we're both sort of swamped right now with letters of recommendation. I'm sure anyone who teaches juniors and seniors especially is is uh, I have I have a whole suggestion. Maybe I should do a blog post. I feel like I've gotten really good at letters of rec and and I have some thoughts on that. And uh, so I hope. Yeah, that's a good idea that I just had right now. But number one is letters of recommendation. Number two, there's a lot of stuff in the news right now with stuff coming out of Florida with uh, challenging the college board, the SAT, things becoming test optional and not test optional post COVID. Um, there was a very intensive and I thought really well-researched story from the New York Times about uh, the wealth value of college of a college degree uh, and what that means and some of the differences between um, white students and black and brown students and how those how the the value of those degrees play over time. So the point here is just to say like it's sort of college season. And as high school teachers, especially Marcus and I, I think you would agree, like we we have a of an idea of the relationship between our classrooms and what college is. But I think that that could be um, unpacked a little bit. And like there, I think there's value in sort of exploring this connection between what's our role as a high school teacher and what is the our role as a high school teacher in terms of preparing people from college. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense, but hopefully it does. <laughs> no, I, I, when you initially sparked this conversation in text, like that was, those were all things on my mind. And I think it's a kind of a two way street. How do we as teachers impact the story of students on their way to college potentially? Mm -hmm. But on the flip side, how does that story of college in our own story in our mind of what college is as teachers shape our own classrooms and yep. schools yep. overall? And I think there's, of course, way more to talk about than we will get in one conversation. But we just want to open that because we haven't really hit it directly mm -hmm. uh, in our conversations. And I think just to start off being mindful of the biases we hold based on our own experiences. I think we say, oh, this is what college is. So I just want to open it up by building a very tight frame around this. Just Jim, what was your college experience in a minute or two? Just so we know where you're coming at this from with your own personal journey. And then I'll share the same. Yeah. I mean, really quickly, I went to St. Lawrence University in upstate New York. Um, I was looking for a small private liberal arts school, which is exactly what I got. Uh, it was very white and I was very wrapped up at the time in prestige and the idea of like going to a really prestigious school. And um, now I find that to be really problematic and wish that I had not uh, been wrapped up in that. But I mean, one, St. Lawrence isn't like at the top, but it's 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 a it's a good school. I mean, a lot of a lot of people like try to get in and it's um it was a wonderful school. Like I love it a lot. I, St. Lawrence is a, a big part of my identity and it, and it certainly shapes the way that I think about my classroom, uh, in some pretty big ways, but super white, very liberal artsy. Um, and that's where I'm coming from. Yeah. 
Yeah. So for me, uh, there's a lot of echoes there. I went to University of Puget Sound, uh, go loggers in Tacoma, Washington, but yeah, you know, yeah. very white liberal arts school. Uh, I went there because quite honestly, the baseball coach called me and said, come play baseball there. And then I was able to afford there based on a combination of grants, Pell grants, et cetera. Yeah. And stopped playing after a year. I think, and it's kind of like you, I'm reflecting back. There's parts of this experience that I now question about like like bigger picture things, but I had a phenomenal experience. And quite honestly, I think the part that I try to be cognizant of when I think of what I got out of my college education, a lot of it happened outside the classroom. I had a phenomenal mm -hmm. in the classroom experience and some professors who ultimately changed the way I see my own learning journey, but it was the extracurriculars that really pushed me in my own skill development and confidence and leadership. And I, I think the benefits of a, liberal arts school that offers lots of these resources and opportunities is that you can go there and find so many ways to develop. But then I, I, I question myself, like, how much is that particular to my experience versus what colleges elsewhere? And I, I just, I like you see that there are limitations in projecting my own experience onto what others experience. And I think mm -hmm. that really applies to anyone talking about their one individual college experience and saying, this is what college is going to be. I guess that's where I'd open the conversation up is like, how equipped are we as teachers to really talk to students about college if we're only basing it on our own experience? Yeah, not very well is my short answer uh, to that question. I, and and I, I would want to add like, as we're, as we're exploring this topic of college, I mean, I'll just, I'll, I'm going to be just honest. I don't mind people knowing this. Um, I, St. Lawrence was an expensive school. I took out almost $70,000 in student loans to go there. I, it was hard. I'm, I'm, I'm doing fine with my student loans. Um, and my wife and I have student debt, like just like a lot of people, um, we're doing okay, but it's, it's hard. It's a hard thing. And I think that we should be starting. I think that we should be starting on, with an honest financial understanding of what college will do for you um, and the cost of college. I mean, you and I have sort of referenced the cost of college throughout. I think both of us think that it's way too high. Um, and I, I don't know, like, I'm just, I just want kind of want to start there because one of the things that I regret about my experience as a high school student and one of the things that I think can be a big mistake that especially high school teachers make is just talking about college like it's the automatic next step, like it just is the thing that you must do, almost regardless of cost. And it is true that there's a lot of data and evidence out there that tells us in order basically in order to participate in the the economy in a successful way, statistically, you're much better off with a bachelor's degree. Like I'm not disputing that, but I just think that it's wise for high school teachers to like take a beat and recognize, especially with these ideas of prestige and networking and going to the top colleges. Like quite frankly, I'm at a place right now where I do not think prestige is valuable. I, and I, and I don't want to like, I really try to remove myself from, cause tons of my students 
I mean, I teach juniors and seniors. So they're, and they know, like I used to work in college admissions. So they know this about me and they ask me about college and they, and I'm writing their letters of recommendation. I want to do all that. And I, you know, it's a kind of a strange place to navigate, honestly, but I really stay away from conversations around prestige. I focus a lot on like, how do you feel like you would fit in on this campus? Do they offer the courses of study that you are comfortable with, that you want to explore? How do you feel about the commute? Do you want to be in a big school? Do you want to be in a, like, I really focus on those practical questions with students. And I'm not saying that's right necessarily, but that's at least for now, that's the, that's the way that I've chosen to approach these conversations with students. And then pretty much anything else I'll I'll say, I don't know, like, this is a question for your counselor or your family members. And I think that like teachers really need to be, um, like cautious, very, very cautious when you are talking to like vulnerable, highly, highly, highly uh, malleable students at a very vulnerable place in their lives. And and I I don't know, I'm rambling a little bit, but that's kind of where I'm at right now with this conversation. I'm I'm glad you noted that it it felt like you were heading there. So I just let you get there. But like, I second that a hundred percent that the first thing is to be cautious. And that's why both of us reflected on our own experience, because I think teachers don't do that. They just say, this was my experience and they project it forward. And not everyone, but I think a lot do. And I really struggle with any teacher having a really strong opinion of what a student should do. Yeah. Like, and I think that there's a, especially we're not college career counselors. Like we're like English teachers. Right. Uh, and and just, we don't know their financial situation. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, yeah, it's hard. No, because I've been on the flip side of, I think all the points you were making are strong, but I've also seen the students who are so worried about taking out a dollar of loans that they might miss out on an Mm -hmm. opportunity that might be worthwhile uh, to challenge themselves and seek out those opportunities. Uh, And again, I think you're right that we come at this from our own financial experiences, but like where I took out, I think after working through college and different, uh, I think it was like 35,000 or so, so about half. And I was able the first few years of in, uh, teaching in Arkansas, which we both did, to pay it off, I think after like four years, and was very fortunate to be able to do so. So I, I don't think that's like a, a choice type thing. It's just like sometimes circumstances yeah, are. For so sure. I think of it through the lens of it's not that big a deal as long as the number is not too high because you can go out and work that out. But I also then I think I need to check my own self and think, mm-hmm. well, I had different opportunities to be able to do that that others might not be able to. So more than anything, Mm-hmm. don't give a strong opinion to a student that doesn't really condition it based on the limitations that you have as a classroom teacher and just anyone who's had one college experience when there are so many out there right now. Mm-hmm. And it's never been more confusing what college even is and what it means and what the output is. Uh, I just don't feel like we are qualified almost all the time to talk about it to students in any way that's persuasive because for me the message is give yourself grace i tell that the only thing i will tell a senior is hey you've worked incredibly hard if you're willing to keep working hard wherever you go you're going to have a positive experience they're going to spend a lot of time trying to differentiate themselves because that's what the marketing does give yourself grace take care of yourself and make a choice that's best for you but also know that whatever choice you make what matters most is what you do after that choice, not the choice itself. Uh, and just know that I'm really rooting for you. That's basically how I end those conversations. And it's 100%. probably not very helpful, 
but that's essentially no, I think where it I is. feel qualified. I think, I think that is really helpful. Like I tell students all the time, like I know it's one of the, one of the lines that I kind of come back to from college or excuse me, with students about college is that you know, granted I'm in education and I'm in like a particular industry sector that is, I would honestly say, fortunately, not very concerned with prestige. I think that that's a, I do think generally teaching is not super concerned about prestige, which, which generally is, you know, that's a good thing. And it's different from a lot of other industries like law and, you know, medicine and some other things that students want to go into. But what one of the things that I consistently tell students, I, I have literally not ever in my whole career cared about the name of a college that anyone went to. I have teachers who are who I'm close with who went to Harvard. And when I find out that they went to Harvard or U Chicago or like these big name schools, I say to myself, oh, that's that's cool. That's a big school. They must have worked really hard to get in. And then I stop thinking about it. <laughs> and I and and one of the one of the greatest teachers I've ever met, a close friend of mine, a chemistry teacher at our school, went to University of Montana. Like local school, state like I don't know. I I try to make these points illustrative of the idea that your career outcomes and obviously, you know, Edu- I'm I'm in education, so that's only one thing. But your career outcomes are not defined by edu- or by the name of your school. I think a lot of people inherently know this, and I also think going back to that New York Times story from I think last month or or a couple months ago, like I think parents and families and students are also becoming more attuned to this. I mean, there's a lot of data out there and stories out there that are are telling us that. Students are either opting not to go to college, which I do admit is a risky bet, but one that I certainly understand given the cost of college and just not, not caring less about prestige of the school, which I think really is a good thing. And we're not, I'm not trying to get super political here about what we should and shouldn't do with free college and whatnot. But what I really do think and what I really want students in my classroom to understand is that the the prestige of a school there there is a value number i think that you should be clear on and understanding when you're going to college um and the prestige should not play a a part in that i I don't know it's a hard conversation to have with students (laughs) it is because as much as like i from a value perspective, agree with you. I also know that there is a line of certain jobs and career aspirations where the prestige does kick in. I mean, look at who's yeah. on our Supreme yeah. Court, et cetera. And right. just being realistic, like that is a world. And if you're, if more people are opting out of the prestige game, that also makes it a more uh, lucrative game for those who opt right. in. So, yeah. but I, I agree with you. I, I, and I don't, I, I teach all the juniors, so I tend to not, have those conversations probably as much as you do but i i guess i like i appreciate both of us starting here and being aligned because I, I like when we disagree sometimes but i'm kind of happy we agree on this it's a little that, more fun this way yeah yeah i just I, I think hopefully if you're listening to this like the first thing the main thing we're saying is like 
stay out of your student's business. If you're trying to pressure them to go to a certain school or make a certain choice, that's just right. not your place. Uh, we, we just, we feel pretty aligned on that. And I think we're doing that from, you know, time zones, three hours away and very different yeah. contexts in our current teaching. Uh, hopefully that will at least pause you. If you've been that teacher who's pressuring the student to make a certain choice, just not your place. Sorry, or just that's... if you know, I think, I think also just if you know teachers who are doing that or who have that mindset, like feel confident in your ability to say that that's not your place because to, to, to those teachers, because as well intentioned as those conversations may be like, I think that this type of decision is so complex and so financially risky. Like we need to have a very honest reevaluation in my view as a whole society about the value of college and, and to pivot this conversation a little bit. I think that especially high school teachers, but honestly, all teachers need to pause and think about the alignment between the, like what really is their alignment to um, between their classrooms and college? What assumptions are they building within their students? What, what necessary things are they telling their students they have to do? I mean, I'll be perfectly honest. I'm, I, the only reason that I took out, as much debt as I did and thought that I could handle the uh, correctly thought that I could handle the debt was that I came from a white upper middle-class background. And then if I got in trouble, my parents would bail me out. Like I knew that that was a fact and I didn't want to fall back on that, but I knew that that was a fact. And that was not something that a lot of my students or, or maybe any of my students uh, have. Right. And so I think one of the things, and I think one of the reasons I, I, you know, both of us probably wanted to talk about about this on the podcast was there are a lot of really deep assumptions about what college is and saying to like, I, it really, it really bothers me when students say, well, when you get to college, you're going to need to do X, Y, and Z. Like I know 50 different college professors right now. And each of them are like completely different. Some of them are very rigid and strict with their late penalties and policies and attendance procedures. And some of them could not care less. And like, they all give out college grades for the college degrees. I just think that we need to pause <laughs> and like the idea and the sort of automatic assumption of college with, especially within high school classrooms needs to be reinvestigated and reevaluated a little bit because everything's so pressured around that. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a little strange to me to be totally honest. Yeah. And I think we do that a lot, right? Like I, I yeah. can think of in the last week times where I've said, well, this is important beyond our classroom and it will prepare you for, you know, college readiness. And I think it's built in. And I think the idea to like check ourselves of what that means. Uh, and I think, I mean, we have entire programs that are built around, well, this is to get you ready. You need to take notes this way. Right. You need to have conversations <laughs> this way or write this way. And it applies in some cases and it's well-intentioned. It doesn't apply in all cases, and we talk about it like that. And I think that's where yeah. the idea of college readiness is way too complicated for us to use it to justify one strategy or one way of doing things. And if we are, quite honestly, 
if we're boxing our students into only being able to be successful with one way of learning and one way of being as a student, that's the limitation. And I feel like the most important thing is that we're preparing them to be flexible and responsive to the context they're in and able to advocate for themselves in those situations in a reasonable way. And I feel mm -hmm. like sometimes college readiness, actually the, the phrase and the actions we attach to it can limit our ability to prepare students rather than elevate it. Yeah. A couple quick things that I would say in terms of college readiness, because I know that I just sort of complicated it a little bit, but I would say like to me, well, maybe, maybe you and I can t talk through this uh, together, but to me, college readiness means a lot. First of all, independence. Like, can you do, can, can, can I give you a list of things to read and will you read them on your own? Honestly, like that, that's a big, important thing for college readiness is independence. I personally, I know that this gets a, like a little bit complicated, but I personally believe in the value of hard work. Like, I don't, I don't know how, uh, how I would have become a teacher and successful in the classroom without hard work. I know that that's, you know, some people think that maybe you shouldn't have to work that hard. I, I believe in the value of hard work. I don't know. It's hey, complicated. Can I, can I, pa yeah, can yeah, I pause yeah. right there? I, yeah, I yeah, felt yeah, like this podcast yeah. was coming a whole different thing. <laughs> uh, I feel yeah, like hard work is not exclusive to college going students. And I, so the, the hardest that, people I know in my life are not college, have not been college bound necessarily. So can, I, which, can you qualify which, that? Just to please. Clarify. I'm no, no, okay. no, really. For I'm, I'm glad that you asked that question because I think that the va I, I agree with you 100%. The value of hard, like believing in hard work, means to me that college is not the only option. Okay. And like I, I think that if we are going to say to students, if like working hard, like. I think of my barber who I just went to today who grad like he talked he talked my ear off for 35 minutes while he was cutting my hair and didn't go to college went to went to school here in Cambridge I mean he's doing well he's he did not go to college he's a hard worker he owns his own business he runs a barber shop I I think that this value of hard work needs to be I believe in the value of hard work. And I also think that it means that that might, you might not need to go to college if you have, if you're a hard worker, I I, I don't know. Like th these are getting a little esoteric yeah. statements here, but I, I, yeah, I appreciate you, you, that you asked the question. Yeah. Cause it, it felt in hearing you, I don't know if it's an intention that you meant that was like, that was the checklist to go to college. No, and I'm like, no, well, yeah, no, that's I don't think to be that. successful, but not right. Okay. Just, I want to make sure we clean that up. I think that's yeah. fine. It's, it's, it's that time of the year. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I guess, I don't know. I, I, I just am, am thinking about what college means. I don't think it's ever been more complicated and also ever more been more valid to question what college is. And I feel like that conversation's happening. But the I think it's happening. Is, yeah. I would be really stressful. I'd be really stressed, sorry, if I had a student in high school or was a student, quite honestly, trying to make these choices in a system where you're like, well, why? Like, 
everything I'm doing is trying to get me ready to fill out those applications, getting those letters of recommendation from the teachers on this podcast and go to these colleges. Like they're making these choices self-aware of how problematic the entire system is. Yeah. Part of me is just like, I'm grateful I wasn't as self-aware of how problematic it was back then. <laughs> Cause I feel like it'd make it that much harder to navigate all this. I don't know. That's, that's kind of where I'm at on this, you know, evening conversation. Yeah. I think I would, I would just say a couple of things like you and I are sort of starting to explore. I think, I think honestly, like, rightly starting to explore what is a pretty fundamental question in education, like a question that goes unexamined or has gone unexamined, right? For a long time. Like it's just sort of always been the case. Okay. You like, certainly this was the narrative that teach for America sold me and you like, I don't know if, I don't know if this was part of what, how you conceived of TFA, but I literally was like, if I become a good high school teacher, I will put, I will like be able to send more marginalized students to college. Like that was part of my thinking. And I think that that is problematic. I think that is well, uh, wrapped up in a whole lot of things that I should talk to my therapist about, but like that that was a mindset that I, I held and I thought was sort of, you know, savory and social justice-y, but it's, it needs to be checked. Yeah. We're going to have the TFA podcast at some point. Yeah, like, it's coming. And it's yeah, going to yeah, have all, <laughs> at some point that's happening. Cause like my entry point was very different. Uh, Listen, EVP, in terms we're of, coming. Yeah. So just know that that's happening at some point. Uh, uh-huh. But I think in general, it's just this for me there's two things can be true one we know being realistic that there is a value add to going to college in our current society on average not in all cases but at the same time we have let what college is and the narrative around college shape everything like like triple down trickle down college readiness for me is like the phrase i think about a lot in the sense of we let what it means to be ready for college, to find what high school is, to find what middle mm-hmm. school, you know, all the way to elementary, everything. And even yeah. like, like I want to give an example of this because I actually think when people say, "Well, all schools do is prepare students for college," that's not true. They're incredible. I think back to Arkansas yep. and the the CTEC programs and oh, yeah. the different vocational paths that were offered was like the schools don't get credit they for don't. the ways they meet students. In order, in a like the Votech teachers, like no. No, but but here's, but here's my pushback. Go ahead. The way we measure schools is aligned to college readiness. And that's Mm -hmm. my frustration is that you can't talk out of both sides of your mouth and say that schools need to prepare students for all walks of life with, which we agree with. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we're going to grade schools by their ACT aspire performance from Mm -hmm. first grade on, because that's where I think there's a contradiction in what we're doing is I think everyone in society, not almost everyone, I would hope, holds the value that schools need to meet students where they're at and in the paths that the students and their families want them to go on. It's our job to be responsive to that. However, we cannot design school just for this linear college narrative that probably isn't even accurate in the first place. So that's where I struggle with what college is as a narrative. Because it's way too complicated for us to create a set of standards and paths that are linear and narrow. And we use that as a, almost a weapon against 
the real diversity that we should have in what education is to be mm-hmm. responsive to where our students are at. That's my, my big rant for the evening. Yeah, it's a good rant. It's a good rant. I, I don't know. I feel like the way that I feel right now, I'm glad that we're starting to have this conversation. Maybe we should just sort of continue to have it uh, on the pod whenever we get the, the chance. Um, but I think, I think that for better or for worse, co- like the co- college pathway and the value of college and the, the, especially for us, like you and I, and a lot of high school teachers who listen to this pod or just any teachers who listen to this pod, like the extent to which it is the job of primary and secondary schools to prepare students for college, I think is worth investigating. Right. And the value, the value of a college degree and how much that you should spend on college. These are things that people just, I think are taboo to, to talk about. And, and we should, we need to have an honest conversation about how much should you spend on college or should you start your own business? Do you think you have the finances to, I, I, I don't know. We're getting sort of roundabout here, but I, I'm glad that we had this conversation. I mean, I think we've, we started this a little bit and it calls into question, honestly, like a lot of fundamental things about what are we doing and how are we talking to students and, and what are the types of moves that we make as teachers? Well, to go full circle though, and I think create some semblance of structure to this conversation is that we started by saying, check yourself as a teacher before you have too strong of an opinion and convey that to students in your role of power as a teacher. That yeah. doesn't mean you shouldn't be questioning this and examining in the same way. I would like for me, how I feel about AI and chat GPT and all that stuff right now. And I promise you, we're not going down that tangent, but yeah. I feel like you can have humility and in, in my role of presenting to students. Well, I need to be active and try to learn as much as I can as a professional. And I feel like that's the same way I feel about this college conversation is that especially as high school educators, it's our job to be really humble in how we communicate our beliefs to students and be aware of the limitations we have. And then at the same time, we need to learn more and understand more and help have a better conversation going forward. And I think both those things can be true and they're both really important. Before we wrap up, we just feel compelled to just express like how thankful we are to our listeners and our readers and our subscribers and people who share this because Quite honestly, when we started this conversation way back when, and even before that with you know professional development, it was a pretty simple vision of, hey, we're just going to share what we're talking about. And then if we have resources, we'll write about it and share those with the Substack. And we didn't really have a plan of where this would go. And we still don't have a plan. There is no, no phase yeah. two or amplifying or ramping up. Like It's just like we just crossed the th- thousand subscriber threshold on Substack mm-hmm. and seeing the different states it's from you like Wyoming it. will you're, find you're you one the, day. You're the writer. You're <laughs> the writer, Marcus. Yeah. So yeah. in general, I'm just like, it's a pretty cool thing. And more importantly for us, the community that comes from that and the responsiveness we get, the questions, the feedback, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you were going to share a story. Uh, yeah. I got a quick story. I mean, I, I have been, honestly surprised at how much this podcast has kind of meant to me. Like being a teacher is, is uh, I think a part of my identity. Like I think a lot of people who are in this work 
sort of identify as a teacher, as a noble. I, I, I don't know, not to get wax and wane about it too much, but okay. I'll just say like, thank you. And, and, you know, we don't put podcasts out on a regular basis. Uh, we're full-time teachers. Marcus and I were texting about, you know, my wife, like right before we recorded this podcast, Marcus was, uh, I was saying my Wi-Fi was down. I don't know what the, I don't know if we can record and <laughs> I'm just going to read your text, which is fantastic. Throw up for a kid. going to be a bit. Okay, hopefully this will get resolved. I'm talking about the point is we're doing this as a hobby and we're putting this out and I don't know, I believe in it and I appreciate the people who listen to it. My quick story is I went to uh, my friends uh, who I haven't, I literally have not seen in 10 years. I went to, um, he's coaching middle school cross country in Boston and his wife texts me who I used to work with in the admissions office, St. Lawrence. And um, she was like, Hey, we're going to be at this at Franklin park on this date. And I was like, all right, great. I'll swing by. And I, I have not talked to him in 10 years. And the first thing he says to me was, Hey man, I love the pod. Like I've listened to it all. And I was like, Oh my God. Like you, that's cool man like that you're a teacher you're a middle school teacher you're listening to the i don't know i felt very moved and um i've gotten such good i've gotten some such great feedback from random places like people who have texted me and say oh my friend listen like honestly that really it means a lot like we're we're we don't have a professional editing studio and we are doing this as a hobby and Marcus and I are living on two different coasts and we connect whenever we can. And it's just, I think it's a special thing. And I just want to say thank you to everyone who's tuned in uh, and who's given this podcast a shot. Cause I think it's cool and it's, I don't know. It is what it is. <laughs> Second, all of that, like, and just like the random, and I think I've mentioned this in previous reflections or solo pods, just like the ability, like, Sometimes like I'll open up like you know social media. I'll have a random message from someone I've never talked to before, mm-hmm. just sending a, a a positive note about something we wrote or something we you know shared. Like I had one the other day after I talked about uh, writing students' note in my own classroom, and like weeks later I get this random message and uh, just like sh- pictures of the notes that they wrote and saying that hey I needed that reminder that day. Thank you. Yeah. And this is like a classroom like a different time zone. And I'm saying that because I, I think that teaching is community work. And I, I know I say that a lot. Like we get locked in our own rooms, our own schools. And I love the school I'm in. I love the teachers I teach with. But the idea of breaking past those limitations and building community beyond them, time zones beyond them, that's what motivated this in the first place. And to see the momentum that it continues to pick up. And we appreciate those who help with that momentum from sharing to responding to giving us feedback. It's, it's, it's incredibly humbling. And it also just like, we're grateful for it because we love talking about this stuff anyways, but the idea of this conversation being broader, being beyond like our country's borders, even in terms of our listenership and uh, readership, it's just been a really cool thing. And we wanted to make sure we took this opportunity to say thank you genuinely. Uh, it yeah. really motivates us. It helps us hop on on a you know, Saturday evening and have a conversation about yeah. college because 
we value it, but we also value what this project has been, this hobby has been, and we want to keep it going. We do. The Broken Copier is an independent, listener-supported podcast for teachers. The show is written, hosted, and produced by Marcus Luther and myself, Jim Mares. Thanks to Alberto Lugo, a former student of mine, for writing and producing original intro music. Born and raised in Brooklyn, Alberto is an independent DJ and music producer based in New York City. You can find his work on Instagram at DJ Synchro and explore his portfolio at djsynchro.weebly.com. Thanks to Tom Chitari, a jazz musician, composer, and teacher based in Australia. Right now, you're listening to Woodstock from his album Garden, available on Spotify. You can stream all his music on Spotify under the name Uncivilized, on Instagram at banduncivilized, and online at uncivilizedtom.com. You can even sign up for remote guitar lessons with Tom, just like I do. Thanks to my sister, Courtney Malavik, for the graphic design you see on our social media and episode posts. Thanks to Brandon Piasecki for helping to get this project off the ground. You can leave us an audio message at podinbox.com slash brokencopier. We might be able to respond and feature it in the next episode. The goal of the show is to connect with a passionate, diverse group of educators, bring helpful analysis and collaboration, and celebrate everyone doing the hard work in the classroom. We hope to connect and direct time, resources, and energy towards concrete efforts that will improve student outcomes, especially in marginalized and underserved communities. We are not the only ones doing this. We want to honor and say thank you to the many educators out there, past, present, and future, who already understand their classroom practice through a lens of equity and change. We'd love to connect with you, hear about what you're doing, and give you a space to share your work. If you want to support the show, you can help us grow and connect for free. Reach out on social media at The Broken Copier, text an episode link to your friends in education, or even share an episode to your own social media feeds. You can email thoughts, feedback, and ideas to thebrokencopier at substack.com. You can also read other essays and thoughts on teaching at thebrokencopier.substack.com, where we publish all of our episodes available wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Thank you.